John 15, we're going to find, find verse 7. That's going to be our key verse, but I'm going to read you a few more verses with that as well. John 15 and verse 7. And John 15 is the passage up to verse 7. He's been talking about the vine, and he is uh, the vine, his father is the husband. And in verse 7 he says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Verse 7 says, though, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Isn't that a glorious promise? Isn't that a wonderful promise? And he goes on, and really in the next few verses, he kind of flashes it out some. Uh, all that he's promising us, he's promising us fruitful lives. But it's a conditional promise. And we would understand some of God's promises have no conditions attached to them. When he said he would save you, uh, he said he would save you because you called him to save you and he did it. And there's no condition attached to it except the fact that you repented and turned to him. But when it comes uh, to prayer and to answered prayer, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. We need to get our heads around this, don't we? We need to get our hearts around this. We need to understand what this is saying to us, because you know what? I want that, don't you? I want to be able to come to him uh, and, and to ask him for whatever I will and to see it. Uh, you know, I want to see the things happen, but you know what? I want that kind of a relationship with him as well. I want that relationship where there's an easy flow where I'm asking and he's giving and, and I'm just seeing exciting things happen. That, that would be the ultimate of living, wouldn't it? To walk with God in that relationship where you could see him do things. I thought have a word of prayer and then we'll begin to tease it out. Father, help us, we pray, as we look to you this morning. Uh, Lord, <clears throat> we long for this relationship. Every child of yours, I think, does. And yet, Lord, so often our prayer lives are, 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 are marked, Lord, they're non-existent sometimes, and sometimes they're marked, Lord, just by lack of answer, and they're marked by lack of relationship, and, oh, Lord, we don't want that. Lord, would you bless this morning? Would you help your people? Would you speak to us? Uh, draw us into a place, Lord, where the reality of this relationship with you becomes apparent and where we see answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, amen. <clears throat> now, I'm going to show you a quote here. In all honesty, I'm not sure whether Andrew Murray or George Mueller made this quote, but you know what? Uh, if either of them made it, it's pretty good, but the, the wording of it's good anyway. It says, God listening to our voices depends upon our listening to his voice. Isn't that what the verse is saying? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, oftentimes what we do is we, we kind of fly over things like that. We've been looking at the conditions of prayer. We've been looking at faith as a requirement for prayer. We've been looking at the will of God uh, as a requirement for prayer. But, but here's something that we need to reckon on. Uh, we need his words abiding in us if we're going to have the right kind of prayer life. Now, in other words, we need to be walking in obedience to him. We need to be walking in that place for obeying him. Now, <clears throat> we need to be listening to him. Prayer is not a discipline whereby I pour out my request, take my shopping list to God and tell him I need this and I need that and I need the other and I get up and I go. It, it, oftentimes, isn't it? 
I mean, there are times when, when our hearts are, are, are broken over something and we come to him, we just pour out our complaints, and that's fine. But that's not what prayer is. Prayer is a hearing and a asking. Hearing from God, there's, there's, there's two sides to this thing of prayer. There's, there's two sides to it. We come to him and we ask him and we listen to him. Do you ever have a conversation with somebody and... Um, you know, you start to talk to the person and they took over the conversation and they talked and talked and talked and, and you sat there waiting for your turn to say something and then it came to the end of the conversation and they said, great, and they were gone. And, and you felt like if you had a cardboard statue of you uh, there, it would have been just as good in the conversation as, as having you there. I think sometimes God feels like that with us. I think some, God sometimes feels with our prayer lives that, you know, <clears throat> listen, they're not hearing me. They're not listening to me. They're all about what they want, but they're missing out on the fact uh, that um, I want to speak to them. I want to relate to them. See, he says, if my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will. Now, what are the problems for us with hearing from God? What hinders us from hearing from from God? Well, let me give you a couple that I wrote down, right? Um, First of all, we come to God sometimes convinced that we know. We don't wait to hear from God about anything because we know, we know the answer. We know what needs... Now, there can be a whole bundle of reasons why we know the answer. You know, it can be from our background. It can be because it's such a need for us. Uh, but we come to him and, and, and we think we know. Isn't that the way the Pharisees were? I mean, they couldn't hear from God because they had it all set down. They knew, what, they, they knew the answers. I mean, Jesus needed to get on board with their plan. He needed to understand, you know, listen, this is, what, this is where, where this needs to go. These are the rules, Jesus. If you don't keep the rules, you're going to mess everything up. And, and really, they couldn't hear from him because they were convinced they knew. Have you ever been there where you were convinced you knew and you can't hear? It, isn't, isn't that the height of arrogance when somebody comes to you and, they, and they're convinced they know what's going on for you and um, they really don't listen to you because they're convinced? I think sometimes we do that with God, don't we? Sometimes we're convinced we know what's best in the situation. You know, we're coming to God and there's no humility about us. There's, Lord, you need to do this. Why haven't you done this? I remember reading one. It was actually about theology. It was a preacher. The preacher, the, 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 there was an argument going on. And, and um, <clears throat> the, uh, one preacher showed something from the Bible that God had did. And the, and the other preacher uh, was so upset. He said, well, God had no right to do that. Isn't that ridiculous? But don't we sometimes feel like God has no right to do these things in my life? God has every right to do in your life whatever he thinks is best. You can't come to God uh, with your mind made up and you know, <clears throat> you know, you know what needs to happen. You know, from my perspective, God usually has a better plan than I thought of in the first place. I don't get the better plan, though, unless I actually listen. Unless I leave space for him to work. Unless I add and mean it on to the end of the prayer. But Lord, if you've got a better plan, that's the one I want. This is what I see. This is what I think needs to happen. But Lord, if you've got a better plan, then Lord, that's what I need. That's what I want. I want, I, I want your plan. And usually what God does, he does something different to what I expected him to do or thought he should do. But always when it's done, I'm saying, that was, that was the best. That's what needed to happen, right? So sometimes you come to God in your prayer life and you're convinced you know, so you don't listen. You've just come to lay out your demands and tell them what you want and tell them what you need. 
And it's a one-sided conversation. Sometimes we're just full of our own needs. <clears throat> like the conversation. I have one man that phones me, and honestly, uh, if I was to take the phone and put the phone on the other side of the room and keep on doing what I wanted to do and come back to him a half an hour later, that'd be just fine, because he doesn't know whether I'm on the other end of the phone or not. He's just, he's just going at it. Uh, he's just talking away. He's full of all that he wants to say. And um, he calls some of you too. So some of you probably say, you, you, some, some of you have twigged who it is. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, it's easy uh, for us to be so full of our needs that we don't want God to say anything in this situation. We're not listening for God to say it. Sometimes we're just too busy to listen, aren't we? I've only got a short amount of time here, Lord, so listen, let me, let me tell you what I need. I need this and I need that. I've got to go. Now, I'm really not sure what we're busy with. I think we're the busiest generation ever. But I think uh, time and eternity will maybe reveal to us that we're busy doing nothing half the time. <clears throat> but we're busy. We're busy. We've got so much going on, and we are busy. Uh, we have so much to do. Uh, sometimes uh, we're not sure how to hear from God. We're not sure what that actually would be. What, what would it be like if I heard from God, if I, if I was to, to wait and hear from God? Because we're, we're, we're not used to waiting on anything. We're not used to actually sitting there and waiting on something, waiting for God to speak to us, waiting for God to actually reveal to us uh, what he's looking for. So, so we're not sure how, so we just plow away. And <clears throat> we continue on. And um, we, we don't really get to grips with this thing called prayer. Wouldn't it be interesting for us to work out how much time we actually spend in prayer in a day? To how much time that we... By the way, not how much time you spend daydreaming. Not, not how much time you spend on Facebook uh, while you're getting to your devotions and your prayer life, uh, but how much time you actually spend with God. Why is it so hard for us to do the most important thing in our lives? Why is it so hard for us? There are all kinds of reasons. You, you need to grapple with them. There may be others. There may be things that you need to deal with uh, as far as your life are con is concerned, but if we're going to see God work in the way we want to see him work as individuals, as a church, prayer is an essential. And part of prayer is a waiting on God. Because you and I don't know the answers. You and I don't know what to do. We, we need to hear from God. We need him to speak to us. We need a two-way relationship rather than a one-way relationship. Right? <clears throat> you see, God's listening to our voice depends upon our listening to his voice. Right? Now, the principal place that you're going to hear from God is going to be in the Word. Always. Now, the Spirit of God can speak to you, and he will, but usually what he's going to do is he's going to speak to you through the Word. He's going to bring you to some passage. He's going to uh, bring some passage to mind. He'll have some passage preached on. Uh, the Spirit of God will bring the Word of God to light to show you what it is that God wants for you. To show you what it is that God wants you to do. Now, <clears throat> there's some things that we need to kind of get straightened out uh, if we're going to be in a place where that's going to work for us. The first thing you need to do is you need to accept his word as truth. And that sounds fundamental, doesn't it? It's very fundamental. You're never going to, uh, you're, you're, you're never going to have God's words abiding in you if you don't accept his word as being truth. Now, now, let me tell you, you're going to say, but of course I do. I'm in church on a Sunday morning. Of course I accept his word as truth. Okay, there's several different ways that, that, that we can be this morning, right? Uh, you can come here this morning and you can say, well, yeah, I believe the Bible is true, but I'm not sure all of it is. Right? 
And if we had a raise of hands and you were honest this morning, some of you would have to say, well, yeah, that's me. I'm not sure that all of it is. I believe it's true generally, but I'm not sure all of it is, right? Now, here's your problem. Uh, if it's true, true generally, but all of it's not true, what parts are true and what parts are not true? And who's the decider of that? Who's the one that actually makes up their mind and decides what's true and what's not true? That's kind of an awful burden to bear, isn't it? Because you've got to actually work out what's true and what's not true. And how are you going to know? You see, so the reality is, when you're in that place where you're saying you're not sure it's all true, uh, you don't believe it's true. And you're not going to accept God's word into your life if you don't believe it's true. Right? Then you have another group of people who will, who will look at the word of God and say, yes, yeah, it's true. Oh, from cover to cover, every word of it's true. But they live at odds with it. Now, that's not reasonable. If it's true, then that's what I'm going to do. That's reasonable, isn't it? If it's true, but I don't do it, I don't really believe it's true. I, I don't really believe it's true. There's, there's a glitch there for me. There's something there, you see, because if it's true, then that's what I'm going to do. And then there are those that say it's true, and as best I can, I'm seeking to live it and to do it. Now, those are the people that are holding it as true. I wonder where you, where you stand this morning. You know, you may have honest doubts about it this morning. It's fine for you to have honest doubts. But you know what? An honest doubt is something that you want resolved. An honest doubt is, I'm not going to believe it. I know some people, and it doesn't matter what you bring to them, they go back to their default position where they don't believe the Word of God is true because, you know what? They don't want to believe the Word of God is true. You can bring all kinds of evidence to them. You can show them all kinds of things. You can point out uh, truth to them. And ultimately, they will always come back to the place where they reject because they're not honestly doubting at all. They just don't want to believe. That's a position people take. <clears throat> but you know what? If you're, going to, if, if you're going to actually have his word abide in you and you're going to ha- be in this place where his word's abiding in you and you're asking him and, and seeing... You've got to accept it as being truth. First of all, let me give you a couple of verses here. And there are lots of verses we could look at on this, right? Uh, John 17, verse uh, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's Jesus speaking. That's his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. That's, these are the, 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 the words of the Lord Jesus himself. He says, Thy word is truth. The Father's word is truth. Now, where do you find the Father's word? Well, you find the Father's word here. In this book. You say, okay, but you know, listen, there's a lot in that that men wrote. Yeah. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired what was written in this so that what is in this book is actually what he wanted recorded for us. Now you say, well, hang on a minute. Uh, What about all those books? How do we know that all those books are actually the books he wanted in it? Well, really, if you can't believe that the God of heaven was able to superintend his word in such a way that you ended up with his word, you don't have a lot of confidence in him. It's important to God that you and I know him. Very important to God. He wants us to know him, but we know that. And basically how we're going to come to know him is through his word, through what his word says to us. So, you know what, I, I don't have to dig very deep to come to the place where I believe that the living God was able to so superintend uh, the putting together of the Bible that I have in my hand exactly what God wanted me to have. That I have in my hand truth from cover to cover. 
that I have in my hand exactly the word of God. Thy word is truth. Look at the next verse on, your, on the screen there. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It says, all scripture. Now, <clears throat> what are you going to do with that? Are you going to dissect it and tear pieces out of it because you don't agree with them? And really, is the problem that you don't believe it's true or is the problem that you don't agree with it? Do you realize what you're doing there? If you're taking parts of it and you're putting them to one side because you don't agree with them, you're putting yourself above the Creator. You're making yourself God. You're making you and what you think truth. That's pretty arrogant, isn't it? Do people do it? They do it. People actually take and they make what they think above Scripture. Now listen, you know what? I'm going to have to humbly come to this book and I'm going to have to say, Lord, you know what? I've checked it out as best I can. And I believe this is your word. And Lord, I'm going to trust it. All of it. A lock, stock, and barrel. I'm going to trust that this is your word. I'm going to take all of it on board. Now, that's a mighty big step to take in your life. Because what you're doing now is you're saying, listen, this is true. And by the nature of truth, this is what I should live. I should live it. I should live this truth. I'm going to accept it as truth, and I'm going to live it as truth. You have to come to the place uh, where you trust the Word of God. You go nowhere in your Christian life without trusting the Word of God. And, and, and remember, it's a choice that you make. You, look, I, I can bring all kinds of proofs to you. I can bring historical proofs. I can bring scientific proofs uh, to you. I can bring all kinds of things to you, to you as far as the Word of God. But you know what? If you don't want to believe it, you're not going to believe it. But when you choose to believe it, and you begin to act on it, what you find is, hey, it's true. It's true. This thing works. This thing is real. This thing is uh, <clears throat> the truth. Uh, John 7, 7, verse 17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Here, here are the Pharisees. The Pharisees are, are contesting Jesus' word. They're contesting. They're, con they're contesting his word. What he's actually saying to them, they're fighting with him about it. They're, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're telling him they don't believe it, and they're telling him he's wrong, and he needs to get right, and he needs to get, a, get on board with them. And he says this, if you will do my word, then you will know it's true. And what's he saying to them? The problem is you're not willing. If you were willing to do, then you would know. They weren't willing. You know what? You need to be willing to do. You need to be willing to put God to the test, so to speak. Willing to come to the place where you say, okay, Lord, that's what your word says, and that's what I'm going to do. But in order for you to have his words abiding in you, you have to come to the place where you say, okay, I accept all of them. Lock, stock, and barrel, cover to cover. It's all true. I may not understand it all. We'll talk about that in a second. I may not be able to get my mind around all of it. You know, I may in my flesh not, not agree with all of it. But it's the truth. It's got to be the authority. You can't be the authority. And that's a hard thing for us to let go. It's got to be the authority. The church is not the authority. The word is the authority. And you've got to come to the place where you submit yourself to the word as being the authority in your life. And that's hard for us to do. Right? <clears throat> um, secondly, you, you need to do this. You need to read his word with the aid of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to explain that to you uh, <clears throat> uh, more fully. 
But here's sometimes what we do with the Word of God. We read the Word of God like it's a textbook, right? And um, we try and work out what the Word of God means like it's a textbook. And it's kind of like this. We'll we'll say a, a very good friend of yours wrote you a letter. And you read through the letter the friend wrote to you, and you're looking at the things, and some of it you don't quite understand. Now, what would you do with your letter? Would you take your your letter down to Trinity College and find some English professor there who could help you to understand what it was that your friend was trying to say to you? Of course you wouldn't. You would make contact with your friend. You would write to him, you would phone him, you would email him, and you would ask him, listen, I don't understand what you meant by that. What What do you mean by that? And he would explain to you what he meant by it. Isn't that what you would do? Wouldn't it be ridiculous for you to go to some uh, professor of English who would have some wild idea in his mind uh, of what your friend was trying to say to you and not go to your friend and say, what what did you mean when you said that? What what were you trying to communicate to me when you said that? You see, the Holy Spirit is the writer of the book. The Bible says this in in First Peter one verse, sorry, Second Peter one verse twenty and twenty one. It says, "No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit." Now, the Catholic Church tried to rest that verse and say, it's of no private inter- interpretation. We're the ones that interpret it, but that's obviously not what the, what it's saying. No church is the interpreter of the Word of God. The Spirit of God is the interpreter of the Word of God. So that when you come to the Word of God, you need to come to the Word of God with your Word of God and the Holy Spirit in combination, that you're talking to Him. Be good for you when you open the Word of God to say, Now, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to help me to understand your word. I can't understand it all by myself. Lord, would you help me? Lord, I'm a little bit slow sometimes. You know, I don't get it easy. Would you help me to understand? And what you're going to find, when the Holy Spirit engages with you in the study of the word of God, the word of God comes to life. You see, because this book is not like any other book that you read. No other book is the living word of God. The Bible says it's alive. It's it's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. That what happens when you read the Word of God is that the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and and He cuts you up with it sometimes, doesn't He? He takes and He carves you up. He shows you what's wrong. He shows you what's needed. But when we come to reading the Word of God, we need not to come to the Word of God with just the idea of, okay, I'm going to study my text for today. I knew a priest once, and um, he worked on the dining cars with me in, in, in CIE when I was in, uh, in school. And um, <clears throat> uh, he, 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 had, he had this little book. He was a trainee priest. He wasn't a full, full priest, right? I'm not sure he ever, he ever did become a priest, right? Um, but he, was, he had this little book. And in his little book, he had his office for the day. And he had to read his office for the day, because that was, that, was, that was what he was supposed to do. And you know what? Uh, it was just something he did and put to one side. There was no living word involved in it. It was just the ritual he was expected to do every day. Many times Christians do that with the Word of God. Okay, okay, I've got to read it. I've got to read my, my, <clears throat> read my chapter in the Old Testament, my, my psalm or my, or my proverb or my chapter in the New Testament, and okay, chalk it up and it's done, and I move on to what I'm doing. No, it's not like that. It's not like, you have the privilege, when you read the Word of God, 
of being in communication with the author. You have the privilege of actually having communication with the author. He wants to teach you. Look at a verse here. 1 John 2 verse 27 says, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as he hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Do you realize that you're anointed of God for the Holy Spirit to actually teach you truth from the word of God? Right? Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me express my pet peeve here. Right? You are not anointed of God for the Holy Spirit to teach you through YouTube what God says. Right? That's not what he's talking about. Right? And very often that's what Christians do, isn't it? You know, we go on YouTube or we go on Google and we find out what it is that God has to say to us. No, 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 that's not where you go. You're going to get it to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You're going to come to know and understand God when you actually, with the Spirit of God, take and you begin to look at the Word of God. When you begin to let the Spirit of God speak to you through the Word of God, you need Him involved in this. You can't do this by yourself. You need the Spirit of God. The richest times you're going to find in the Word of God is when the Spirit of God is bringing it alive. When He's taking it and He's opening the Word up to you and it's coming alive. And you're seeing it and it's real and it's true. It's not a textbook for you to work out. You're going to read through the Word of God and you're going to find areas. That doesn't make sense to me. You know what? The Holy Spirit can make it sense. Now, maybe He won't make sense of it for you today, but He will another day. I don't think you should get bogged down all the time. Uh, if you know, and I'll tell you what we have a tendency to do. We have a tendency to, to ask somebody else what they think of that. Now, what's the problem with you asking somebody else what they think of that? Listen, the only way they're going to know if they've, is if they've been in touch with the Holy Spirit. And very often, that's not what you're getting. I have reams of, um, <clears throat> of commentaries upstairs. I'll have, you know, five or six commentaries for every book uh, of the New Testament, at least less for the Old Testament, <clears throat> and then more on computers and uh, more uh, <clears throat> available to me. And you know what? It would spin your mind out, the differences between the commentaries. It really would. It would just spin your mind out. How can they see it so differently? You know, <clears throat> uh, you know what? The Holy Spirit's the author. He says, ask me. I'll tell you. I'll explain it to you. It's easy for us, uh, us in our study to depend upon something else. Listen, I think it's great for you to come and hear the preaching of the Word. I think it's great for you to come to church uh, and be blessed and stirred by the preaching of the Word. But you know what I think? I think you should never unplug your brain and your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because if you do, if you go and everybody who stands behind a pulpit is truth and speaks truth, and you just automatically kind of give them that, what you've done is you've put a burden on somebody that they can't actually bear. You need to get it from God. You need to read the Word of God and understand what the Spirit of God is saying to you. You need to read the Word of God in conjunction with the Spirit of God. And that's the way... You know, <clears throat> reading about <clears throat> George Mueller this, uh, this weekend. George Mueller was fascinating. George Mueller is the man of answered prayer. Right? Uh, if, you, if you want to find a man, uh, <clears throat> you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. George Mueller is probably uh, at least the most public or the most well-known person that we have uh, in church history for having answered prayer. Because George Mueller just, uh, he recorded it all as an experiment to show that God answers prayer in his day. Right? <clears throat> but, you know, with, with George Mueller, George Mueller came to a point in his life where he decided, you know what? He decided to get rid of all his commentaries. 
He decided to radically do this. He decided to stop reading anything but the Bible. He says almost anything, so I think there were some other things that he, that he read. But the, what he decided to do was he decided that the Word of God is what I need. Let me read you some of the things he said. Right? <clears throat> God then began to show me that the Word of God alone is our standard of judgment in spiritual things. That it can be explained only by the Holy Spirit and that in our day, as well as in former times, he is the teacher of his people. The office of the Holy Spirit I had not experimentally understood before that time. Interesting, isn't it? What did he decide to do? He decided to actually take the word of God. Um, <clears throat> it had pleased God in his abundant mercy to bring to my mind into such a state that I was willing to carry out into life whatever I should find in the scriptures. I could say, I will do his will. And it was on that account, I believe, that I saw which doctrines of God, and I would observe here, by the way, that the passage to which I have just alluded, John seven seventeen, 17, uh, where it says, if you will do his will, uh, you will know the doctrine, whether it be of God or not, has been the most remarkable comment to me on many doctrines and precepts of our most holy faith. Now, what's he saying there? If he would read the word of God and let the spirit of God speak and be willing to do, he would find that the spirit of God would illuminate to him, it to him and he would find truth in it. You know what? I think we're all, and I include myself in it, lazy. I think when it comes down to actually looking at the Word of God and hearing from God, one of the big problems for us is, oh man, that would take time. That would be difficult. I'd, I'd just sooner, you know, <clears throat> uh, get, get a verse and a little comment on it for the day and, and, and travel on that. Rather than interact with the living God, think what we're missing though. Think what we're missing when we can have the living God interpret and teach the word of God to us if we'll just spend time with him. You see, here's the problem for us. We want answered prayer. Everybody in this room wants answered prayer. Everybody in this room wants a relationship with God whereby they can cry out to God and God does things and they see exciting things happen around them. But you know what? Relationships are a little bit of work, aren't they? Now, they're well worth it and this, this relationship with God is definitely well worth it. But it's a bit of work for us. And so what we often, often will do is we'll just say, oh yeah, I, I, I'll just skate by on second hand. On what somebody else said, God said. And I won't actually go and interact with him between him and I. And I think as long as we do that, you know what? We're always going to be superficial Christians. We're always going to be just skating the surface. We're never going to be in the place where we're actually uh, relating to God and knowing what it is that he wants for us. See, the Spirit of God wants to be your teacher this week. The Spirit of God wants to be your guide in the Word. He doesn't want you going on YouTube. He doesn't want you looking up a commentary to find out what he said. He wants you to say, Lord, what do you mean here? I don't, I don't understand this, Lord. Lord, this, this you know, I've I, I read this verse, and, and you know, Lord, <clears throat> I, I, it says great things, but... I can't work it out. Lord, would you help me? And you know the Spirit of God says, I'd be pleased to. And he'll step in and he'll be there. Do you know that if we don't need God, we won't know his presence? And if you can go through your spiritual life without needing God, in other words, you can do the things that need to be. And we're very prone to that. I think you know, the Pharisees have a real bad name. You know, they, they have a much worse name today than they did in the time of Christ. Because we Pharisees, hypocrite, you know, and all the rest. I think those were genuine men who genuinely felt they were doing the right thing. They were doing the best thing. I think they were. <clears throat> but you know what? 
they weren't men who were willing to actually let God speak to them because if they had been, he would have said, this is my son, follow him. This is my son, do do what he wants uh, you to do. We need to be people that are willing to let the Spirit of God get involved in the Word of God and let him speak to us. I think that alone would revolutionize our lives. Let me read you one other quote from George Mueller. Um, He says, The result of this uh, was that the first evening that I had shut myself into my room to give myself to prayer and meditation over the scriptures, I learned more in a few hours than I had done during a period of several months previously. What did he do? He shut himself in his room. No commentaries, no Google, no YouTube. No, no, he shut himself in his room with the Bible and with the Spirit of God, and he said, Lord, teach me. And he said the Holy Spirit taught him more in just a few hours than he had learned in several months. Do you think if you were to decide this week to spend some time alone, just you and God, with the Word of God, that God would speak to you? Do you think that maybe there's some needs and burdens in your life that if you would do that this week, you wouldn't have those needs and those burdens next week because God would have answered them. God would have met you in them. You would have understood what he was doing. I think that's very possibly true for your life. But you know what it would take? It would take us taking time to just put everything else aside and spend time with the Word. Spend time asking the Holy Spirit of God to show us what it is that he wants. And then being willing to do what it is that the Spirit of God wants us to do. Let me give you four quick areas that you need to think on and do. First of all, obviously you need to read the Word of God. I think you need to to read the Word of God from cover to cover regularly. I think you need to get the broad sweep of it. You don't understand, you know, listen, you know, God is not the God of the New Testament and there was this crazy God in the Old Testament. That's not the way it is. He's the same God. The God of Genesis is the same God as the God of Revelation. I mean, he is the same yesterday, today, forever. All of it teaches us about him. So what you need to do is you need to regularly read it through. Read it through, understand it, or read it through. You won't get it all. You know, what you're doing is you're, you're going through it reasonably quickly. Fifteen minutes a day will get you through it in a year. But you need to read it. You need to read the Word of God. Secondly, I think you need to take time and you need to study it. Aren't there issues that bother you? Aren't there spiritual issues that bother you? You know, and you've asked people, well, what about this spiritual issue? And what about that spiritual issue? And what about this? And what about that? Why don't you get the Word of God and go and look at the passages concerned and talk to the Spirit of God about it? You say, that's kind of radical stuff, Pastor. He could tell us to do anything. He's the author. If you honestly yield yourself to him and let him speak to you, he will tell you. And you know what? When he tells you, you have to do it. But you've got to get to the Word of God. <clears throat> so study the Word of God. Take time and study it. <clears throat> and don't be preoccupied with commentaries. Just you and, the, you and the Spirit of God study it. Read through it. Read the other passages that deal with the subject and, and see what God is saying to you. You know, so often we come off with half-baked ideas because what we've done is we've taken a second-hand idea that somebody else studied or read or, 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 or told us. We have no idea why or what background or anything they were coming from, but we just take it and we run with a half-baked idea. When if we went to the Word of God 
and let the Spirit of God speak to us through the Word of God, we'd find out exactly what it is that God wants us to do. Study the Word of God. Secondly, memorize it. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, you know what? If you read and study, you're going to find yourself memorizing automatically. You know, (coughs) you're going to find word. And what happens when the Word of God goes into you is the Spirit of God's able to bring it up to you. He's able to bring it up uh, in situations where you need it. It comes to the fore. And the Spirit of God is able to bring up those words. So memorize the Word of God and then meditate upon the Word of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, the Jews uh, were told <coughs> that, that the Word of God was to be in their hearts and that they were to teach it and they were to put it on the doorposts, on the frontlets. They were to keep it before their eyes all the time. They were to be thinking about the Word of God. They were to be, if you like, a biblical people. That's what they were supposed to be. You know what? If they were supposed to be a biblical people, so much more us. Meditate on the Word of God. Let it become part of your life. Let it in. Let it, let it impact your life. Let it be there for you. You know, don't be carrying around hazy notions. Get the Word of God so in you that you can actually, that it's actually affecting the way you live. It's there for you all the time. You know, um, that, that, that when you face problems in your life, the Word of God comes to your mind. And when you face issues and difficulties, the Word of God comes to your mind. Because you've you got to deal with situations and you don't know how to deal with them, but the Word of God helps you to deal with them. Do you know, listen, the Word of God, the Bible says, is food for babies. As newborn babes, desire ye the sincere milk of the Word. Now, you know what? Babies don't live on milk all their lives. Right? They get to be about a year old, and you know what? They're kind of done with milk. And they move on from that, and you know, and they start eating more solid food. And you know, before you know it, they're uh, eating the house down. Right? They, they, you know, they get to the place where they can, can eat all kinds of food. But you know what? If you didn't give a baby milk, the baby would die rapidly. They don't have much of a reserve. They would die rapidly. They need food. You need food. You need spiritual food. And it's not just the duty of doing your office. It's the relation between you and God that's worked out in the Word of God. You see, (laughs) the Word of God will protect you from error. So much error in our lives. But you know what I find with error? Error doesn't come from the Word of God. Error comes from somebody else. Somebody else who misinterpreted for whatever reason comes and tells somebody something and they run with it and it's error. Let the Word of God speak. When you let the Word of God and the Spirit of God speak, it's amazing how He's able to communicate and able to put you uh, in the right place. All right, then. <clears throat> and then you need to act upon His Word. James 1, verse 22 says, But be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, if you read the Word of God and study the Word of God, but don't do the Word of God, you're deceived. Right? <clears throat> what you've done is you've taken on truth and not acted on it. And you know, I, I think it's very easy for believers to do that. I think for most of us, we know more scripture than we do. We actually know more than we do. You're deceived. Listen, whenever I know scripture and do scripture, what I find is life works. It works. It doesn't matter what area of my life I apply scripture to. It works. And whenever I, 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 I find in scripture something that I, for, for whatever reason... Say, nah, that's too much, and don't do. I have trouble, and so do you. 
But whenever I let the Word of God speak and I obey it, it works. Be a doer. Don't be deceived. Actually do the Word of God. Look at Matthew 7, verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Right? The the foolish man is the man who heard Jesus speak but didn't do. You know what? Christians can be the most foolish people on the planet. Because they hear and they don't do. You know, you see a Christian who's foolish, you know, what you've got is you've got somebody who's hearing and not doing, somebody who's not following the Word of God, somebody who's not letting it have its course in their life, somebody who's not doing uh, what God would have them to do. You see, let me just remind you, you can take the Word of God and you, you can say, well, I doubt it, I'm not sure it's all true. And what you've done is, you've let the enemy put a doubt in there, so you're never going to actually do it. But you can also take the word of God and say, yes, I believe it, but not do it. And you're deceived. You're fooling yourself. What you're doing is you have truth, and because you have truth, you think, you know what, I I know. But if I know and I don't do, what I find is I'm foolish. I'm deceived and I'm foolish. What is it of the Word of God that God would have you to actually take and do? Because you need to do it. Now, a closing verse. <clears throat> Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Right? You're to let the Word of God dwell in you richly. You're to let it roll around inside you. You're to, you're to let the Word of God <clears throat> invade every area of your life. You're to let the Word of God become your guide. The Holy Spirit and the Word become your guide in your life so that you're doing what God would have you to do. Let the Word of God, uh, Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Not teaching and admonishing one another in the, the latest psychological thing that you've heard. No, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You're to to let the Word of God so invade your life that it kind of comes out, that it overflows and it comes out. That what you're doing is you're talking to other people about the Word of God. You're talking to other people about what, what the Word of God says. That actually is so important in your life that it's overflowing in your heart and your life. You know, don't we want a successful life? Don't we want a happy life? Don't we want a life that works? This is the way. You see, you want that relationship with God where God says, listen, if you want me to listen to you, I want you to listen to me first. If uh, ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Isn't that what you want? Well, you know what? This would be a good time for you to decide, okay, by God's grace this week, I am going to take my Bible and I'm going to spend time with God and ask him to speak to me as I read. And whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do. Whatever he shows me I should do, I'm going to do. I'm going to put it into practice. This week, I'm actually going to do it. And you know what? I think you would be going to a party that God already invited you to. Draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. And I think you would see exciting things happen in your life. I think every one of you could see exciting things happen in your life. Because I think the Spirit of God is real. And the Word of God is alive. And if you would come to him this week, you might be amazed and how real and alive it is. Let's stand for prayer.
Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning and for this people. And, oh, Lord, we thank you for your word. And, oh, Lord, forgive us, Lord, where uh, at times we've ignored the word. And forgive us where at times, Lord, we've ignored taking the time to listen to you and let you speak to us through the word. But, Lord, would you help us? Help your people, I pray. <laughs> oh, Lord, that you, that, that you would speak to us in such a way that we would know the reality and that we would know the truth, Lord, that as we do, we would see you in the reality of the living God. Uh, in your word and in what you're telling us to do. Every head's bowed and every eye is closed. Let me ask you to take time right now and make a commitment to God. Just take time right now. Don't don't let it pass because, you know what, by lunchtime, you can have forgotten what God impressed upon your heart. But right now, just between you and him, make a commitment to God. Father, we bless each heart that's lifted, been lifted to you now, Lord, and made a commitment, and Lord, help them, because we're weak, but you're strong. Help each one, Lord, to fulfill it and to enjoy your presence this week. In Jesus' name.